Good morning. Yep. I am Pastor Cameron. Uh, I thought I was prepared to preach this morning, but maybe Corey's preaching for us anyway. Well, like uh, like Katie said, we welcome you here to Conduit. If uh, you're uh, visiting with us, or if it's your first time, or your first couple times, we're so happy you're here. Um, and uh, we've been in a par- uh, we've been in a in a series um, about the parables uh, called the storyteller. And if uh, you remember from our first couple of weeks, and we've tried to mention it here week to week, is that uh, a parable is a story that is told that is meant to communicate some, I guess you can say some deeper spiritual principles or lessons. Okay. So just like we, um, we would use stories to communicate or to convey specific points or specific um, ideas, right? Jesus, Jesus did the same thing. He was a great storyteller. And all throughout the Gospels, all four Gospels, he used these parables, these stories, to communicate with different groups of people different messages. And sometimes the messages were really encouraging, right? And they were really hope-filled. And um, they were really almost lighthearted in a sense. They, they demonstrated the love and compassion and mercy and grace of God. And then on other, uh, other, other parables, they were, very, uh, they were very clear about um, um, the coming judgment. They were very clear about um, God's displeasure right? with, with um, the way people were conducting themselves, right? So... You know, parables weren't, they, they weren't unilaterally feel-good, warm stories, right? Um, sometimes they, they, they were very difficult for the hearers to hear. In fact, um, uh, I think we read a couple weeks ago uh, a story uh, where, where the rich, a rich young ruler said, well, this is a hard word. Who can, who can believe, th- who can receive this? And he, he walked away from the the story he walked away from the message of jesus so um i uh we're gonna share we're gonna share one of the parables um of jesus this morning um and uh, i'll tell you this was man um there's lots of you know there's lots of times that as a as a preacher um sometimes sermons come very easy and sometimes they are like blood sweat and tears right um, and this one, I think, was kind of right in the middle. Uh, they, it, it, it wrote very easy, like it came very easy, but the intrinsic like, message of it was, was difficult to receive and, and is difficult to communicate because, um, you know, I, I have such a desire, Pastor Corey has such a desire um, for, for um, our hearts to be conveyed and communicated um, in the midst of what sometimes is really difficult things to hear, you know, um, our heart is that you would experience Jesus, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you that that your life would be made whole and would and would be redeemed through the power of the gospel, through relationship with Jesus Christ, um, and 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 so when we talk about things, I'm going to talk a little bit about hypocrisy this morning. I talk a little bit about humility, um, about pride. And, and boy, like, tell you what, it's really difficult to preach on hypocrisy. 
uh, it's, it's really difficult to even talk about, about it. Uh, because there's probably, uh, at least in my experience, no more heart-wrenching criticism towards a person that's trying to follow Jesus than for them to, for, than for them to hear the word, you're a hypocrite. You hypocrite, right? There's probably no, like, there's, there's, there's probably no criticism, at least in my life, that sticks a knife right in my heart like that word because I so desperately, um, I, I, I so desperately am fighting against um, a hypocritical attitude or mindset or, um, or lifestyle, right? I, I don't, I, 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 want, I want my heart and my thought and my word and my action I want them to all be aligned, right? I don't want one thing going this way and another thing going this way. And I certainly don't want to be um, uh, professing faith in Jesus Christ, right? Um, and then dishonoring him with something that I'm doing, right? Because what, what does it end up doing? Well, it, it, um, it really destroys the legitimacy of what I'm professing is my faith right uh and i and i want to you know that that's why it's so difficult to hear those words you're a hypocrite you you hypocrite um and um i think we can all relate to that and 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 understand why that understand why that's difficult um and this word this word hypocrite is used really a lot in scripture okay um and we usually hear it in reference to, uh, and Jesus using it in reference to religious leaders of his day, right? That's, that's normally the way in which it's used. So he would be, um, he would be, Jesus would be leveling it against guys like me, right? Religious leaders, uh, people who, um, were, were leading others in a, in a, in a journey of faith. And, and this word, uh, hypocrite is a Greek word, um, uh, and it it means the the actual Greek word means an actor under an assumed character. In fact, the word hypocrite isn't a religious word. It comes from um, it comes from the uh, like the the Greek drama and play and acting world. So, you know, in, in the Greek world, um, drama was a big thing, right? Art was huge. Poetry, acting, stage, like acting out, um, acting out famous battles, acting out historical scenes. Like drama, drama was, was big. And the word hypocrite is, was, a, um, was a character in most dramas. It was a character in most plays. And you always knew who the hypocrite of the play was because they would be wearing a mask. It's a, it's a good time of year to need a mask for a sermon illustration because you can just say to your wife when she's heading out to get groceries, hey, pick me up a mask, right? And it was between this and a werewolf, and I figured this was probably a better one, right? Uh, but the idea was is that they would come onto stage and they would be wearing a mask, right, to, to hide who they actually were, right? That it would be, um, 
That it would, that's what you get playing with your phone during the sermon. Uh, they, they, would wear, they would wear a mask, right, to, to hide their true, their true character. Although everyone really knew who they were, right? You could, see, you could see behind the mask. But what they wanted to do was to try and convince people that they were someone else. That there, was, that there was more to who they actually were. They were, they were portraying someone on the, on the outside, right, that was different than the person that they actually were on the inside. And so Jesus used this in reference to um, a lot of the religious leaders. Um, I have a few examples here of in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23, all right? He, um, he, I'm just going to share a few examples so you get, this, you get the idea of how, how it's kind of used here. Matthew 23, verse uh, 25, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. There it is, right? The dagger in the heart. You hypocrites. You clean, you clean the outside of the cup. But inside, you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also become clean. So he's like, he's saying, look, you think that the right thing to do is like to make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but where do you actually eat out of? The inside or the outside? You eat out of the inside, right? Clean the inside of the cup first. That's what's most important, right? Are you getting a lesson here? Clean the inside of the cup first. That's what's going to be most important, okay? He goes on here. He's really giving it to him in this section of scripture. Um, verse 27, woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. All right, so that there's... Um, there's this, there's this um, understanding of um, hypocrisy basically as a misalignment between who I portray myself to be and who I actually am. And if we could all be, if we could all take an attitude of humility for just a hot second, we would all, um, I think, be willing to, un we, we would all be willing to accept that we all live from time to time on this side of heaven in some form of hypocrisy right if we're if we're using if we're using the strict the most strict definition of what it means to be a hypocrite right that there's a misalignment between inside and outside right? i all, all of the time even paul said wrote right in in romans chapter 7 all of the things i want to do i don't do 
and all of the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing, right? And, and I, can, I can relate to that, right? All of the things that I don't want to do, right, are constantly pulling at me in life. And, and those are the things that I, that I, I don't want to do them, right? But, but I'm constantly being pulled to do them. And all of the things I want to do, it's like, it's like climbing uphill to get to them, right? And so that there's this kind of both inner and outer struggle to make what my, what my heart's desire is with what my actual conduct is in my life and my, the, 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 the spirit of my life. So um, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18 that, that defines kind of this attitude of, of hypocrisy, but he, he's going he's gonna, to um, link hypocrisy together with humility, okay? Let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God I thank you that I am not like these other men. These robbers, these evildoers, these adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he he beat his breast and said god have mercy on me a sinner i tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before god for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted Jesus uses this parable to show that God is more impressed with humility than with religious posturing. You want to impress God, take an attitude and a position of humility. In fact, James the book of James chapter 4 verse 6 said that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Can you think of anything more disconcerting or scary about life than God being in opposition to who you are? 
but anything more encouraging, any, anything more blessed than God opening up the floodgates to lavish his grace upon you. God gives, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus uses this parable to show that God is much, much, much more impressed with humility than with religious posturing. See, the Pharisee on, on, on one side of this parable in Luke chapter 18 wanted to, wanted to look the part of an extremely pious, religious, godly person. He wanted, he wanted everyone in the room, everyone in the temple to know that, you know, he fit the bill. That, that he, he, was God, he was not like all of these evil people, these, these, these wicked uh, people, these robbers, these evildoers, these adulterers, or even like this guy over here, a, a tax collector who's in cahoots with the Roman. God, Lord, I'm not like that at all. In fact, Lord, let me pray, Jesus says, all about myself. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself in verse 11. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. He wanted to look the part, right? He wanted the, the, outside of the, the outside of his cup was clean as a whistle, right? But the inside, Jesus says, was, was, was filthy. Was filthy. Now, the tax collector on the other side, was fully invested and aware of his own sinfulness. He was, he was totally aware of it. I think that one of the keys to remaining... Well, we'll get there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to jump ahead too far. You know, one of these, th one of the things that, um, and this is a word of warning. Okay, let this be a let this be a, a, a mild exhortation this morning. Because in a lot of cases, and I'm speaking of personal experience here, right? In a lot of cases, we sit down and we hear um, sermons. Uh, Someone, someone beginning to talk about hypocrisy and, uh, and pride. And, um, and it can kind of stir up, uh, kind of stir up a lot in us. And if we were to take the example of the Pharisee, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and we would ask ourselves, well, geez, Lord, wh which one am I, Lord? I, I don't know, what... Which one am I? And I think there's kind of like a the lit or a litmus test for this would be to like if 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 you're sitting here thinking, man, I really wish so and so was here to hear the, hear this so they could hear this message on hypocrisy because they they really need to hear this message on hypocrisy, right? If 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 you're here thinking, man, if they were here, this is the perfect message for them. 
then we probably have some work to do, okay? But if the attitude upon hearing about, like, the misalignment of my inner life and my outer life is striking at the very heart of your own spirit, oh, Jesus, please have mercy on me. That, that's the attitude of humility that Jesus is talking about here, that, that, that God, that God um, lavishes his grace upon. And the type of humility that at the end of the parable, Jesus says, um, you will be exalted, right? Those who, those who humble themselves will be, be exalted. And, and those who, who exalt themselves, man, I really wish this person was here because they really need to hear this message. Um, be aware, okay? Be aware. Uh, the Bible is really clear that um, there are two ways that humility comes into our lives, right? The, the preferred way and the dominant way within Scripture, you'll see it all over the place, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, is that we humble ourselves. Humble yourself before the Lord's mighty hand and he will lift you up right? Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself, right? So we can humble ourselves, right? Or we can be humbled. And there's a, there's a, a really big difference between how those two, how humility comes about when you take those two paths, right? One is much more preferred. Um, <laughs> trust me. Ask me how I know. Um, so um, if, we're, if we can recognize here that the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector has a lot of themes of hypocrisy and a lot of themes of humility and a lot of themes of pride um, all wrapped up together um, in it, then... Uh, and I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, about hypocrisy, right? Because um, I don't want anyone to ever um, be put in a position where an accusation of hypocrisy is placed on them and have, them, and have it be true. Does that make sense? Like, my, my desire as, as a pastor, my, my desire as a... As a, as a spiritual leader, is to see you live in the fullness of who Christ has created you to be, the fullness of his redemption for your life, the fullness of, of, of wholeness that God promises to those who are in Jesus Christ. That, that's, that's my desire, right? And, and, and I believe that, that the antidote, the antidote for a Pharisaic attitude, the antidote for hypocrisy, is humility. That, that if, if you want every accusation in your life of hypocrisy to just fall flat because, the, because it, it doesn't stick to anything, then, then humility is the key. How, how, what, what is humility? How do we become more humble, right? Because even the pursuit of humility can be a prideful um, exercise, right? You understand that? Like, 
Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am the most humble person I know. <laughs> I'm more humble than everyone. You see what I'm saying? So we, we have to understand what humility is and, and understand how, how, what the pursuit of it is like so that we do not fall trap to actually being prideful about our humility because there's nothing more that the that the enemy would love than to than, than to make you prideful while pursuing something that god wants for you okay um so scripture is is clear we've already talked about this that that we are to humble ourselves Uh, hum- and humility, well, I want to be really clear about this, okay? Um, because God, God doesn't live in the extremes, okay? Um, humility is, is not having a, a, like a dumpster or like a, in Winnie the Pooh, an Eeyore view of myself. That's not humility, right? We go, yeah. I'm just me, right? Like that, that's, not, that's not God's... God doesn't desire for you to live... Was that a good Eeyore? Okay. Um, God, God desi- uh, God's desire... God doesn't desire you, right, to, to live in this state of, like, shameful humility. Right? And... and uh, a, a, a constant state of feeling guilty, of, of, feeling, of feeling shameful. Did you know that in Jesus Christ, you are declared not guilty? That, that in Jesus Christ, you have been, you have been justified from both the, the, the penalty and the pain of sin. That God has, God has set you free from that. And so God certainly doesn't want you to... to once again, shackle yourself with the chains of your own uh, infirmities once he has set you free from them, right? But humility is not something that, that shackles you to your own sinfulness. It is, it is something that allows you to see what Jesus has done for you in, in, in the, the br- brutal reality of what it actually is. Humility is having an accurate view of myself it's having an accurate view of who i am of of knowing exactly not not being confused at all about who i am the tax collector stood far away from god because it's like god i gotta get away like i gotta get away from you because i am a sinner and i need your mercy right that wasn't an Eeyore or a shameful identity. That was the truth. And so, and so humility was, is, is about taking a, a realistic approach to who I am. I am sinful. I am, I am marred. I am, I am broken. And, and I can't for the life of me. Put the pieces back together myself. I, I just can't, I can't seem to do it every time, I, every time I try and every time I work hard and every time I think I'm this 
there. My, my brokenness is revealed to me once again, and I, I just can't do it by myself. But God's grace opens the way for your life to be redeemed and to be whole. That's, that's reality. And, and what it means to be humble is to honestly know that I am sinful, that I am broken, that I am marred, that I am completely, completely unable to fix that on my own, and that God's grace is the only vehicle to get me to wholeness and redemption. That's what humility is. It's like keeping that picture in my mind. Usually, what happens um, in this, when the word hypocrisy is thrown out there, right? Uh, The hypocrisy tag usually comes, right, um, when someone um, judges our, our conduct, right? So, let's say, um, they, let's say they, they know, right? Uh, man, let me tell you what. As a pastor, as soon as I am not Jesus incarnate, I get called on it, right? Because there's no hiding that I'm, that, like, I'm a pastor. Everyone knows that, right? It's like, what, what is the first thing you, you ask someone for the, or the second thing you, you ask someone when you meet them for the first time? What's your name? What do you do for a living? Right? I've gotten to the point where, 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 where sometimes to, to avoid this, right? I'd be like, um, I am a leader of a large nonprofit. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but there's this reality that, like, that when, when someone knows that you follow Jesus, Right? Then you're, it's like you're, you feel like you're constantly on trial, right? Like, you can't cuss, you can't chew, you can't go with girls who do, right? Like my father-in-law said. (laughs) (sighs) Because... (laughs) Sherry's taking a big old dip out of her lip right now. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, like, so, so there's, this, there's this constant, like, there's this constant comparison between who I, who I say I am, Christian, pastor, follower of Jesus. I go to conduit, right? So there's this over here, and then there's this, like this perceivable life over here and people and, and people are always going to be like trying to bring the two together right so okay so if you say you're this or you say you're this over here right then i have expectations of what your conduct is going to be over here and if those th- if those two things don't line up then you're a hypocrite you're a hypocrite. True and not true. Okay? 
true and not true. If, if we take the, the absolute simplest definition of the word hypocrite, like where there's a misalignment of who I say I am and what I'm actually doing or what I'm actually like, then sure, whatever, okay? But um, understand this, right? Um, when we reduce Christianity, when we reduce relationship with Jesus Christ as simply a list of things that Christians either do or don't do, then we're always going to be under the weight of hypocritical I mean, what, what I'm saying here is that Christianity is not, has never been simply, understand me, right? Simply only, a, just a list of things that you do and don't do. That is, it's it simply, it's not a, it's not, it's not a checkbox, Right? It's not a list of things that I do and a list of things that I don't do. Therefore, since I do those things and I don't do those things, now I am a Christian. Good. Our Christianity, our, our salvation, it isn't about what we do or don't do at all. That is... That is that is exactly the point of the gospel is that you couldn't do it yourself. You couldn't do or not do yourself into God's favor. There, there, is, there is not a list long enough of things that you could accomplish. There is not a list long enough of things that you could avoid that would make you a Christian. You might look the part, right? But on the inside, right? It doesn't make any difference. So when we reduce Christianity to simply a list, a, 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 more, a, a list of moral and immoral things, moral and immoral, moral and immoral, moral and immoral things, right? When we reduce it down to that, then it becomes very easy to see and to, to see the differences, right, between who I say I am and what I actually do, and to also place the label of hypocrite on someone. Because the only thing that we're looking at in that type of comparison is, well, what are they doing and saying? I heard him cuss. Not a Christian. Christians don't cuss. <laughs> Yeah, preach it, right? Christians don't get angry. Christians don't say hurtful things. Listen, you are saved from your sin, you are saved from your brokenness. You are saved 
from your marred condition because of something that Jesus did and offered to you. Not because of something you did and offered it to him. You do not become a Christian because you worked really hard down here and you put together this moral um, and ethical resume of who you are. And I'm a good person and I'm an upstanding member of the community and I do good things and I think more good things than I think bad things. So I will write out this resume and then I will offer it to God in hopes that he will see it and then I will be in his favor. That's not how it works. Like you, you can't. You can't do enough, right? You can't avoid enough. You are saved because of something that, that Jesus did all on his own. And he offered it to you. Not something that you did all on your own and that you're offering to him. Destroying hypocrisy in your life is about taking and, and thrusting a spear into the heart of the spiritual pride that looks down on the conduct of others instead of looking up to heaven for mercy for yourself. We, we, we have this phrase in Christianity, it freaking makes me want to vomit every time I hear it. Hate the sin, or hate the sin, but love the sinner. What, where, where do you find that anywhere here? How about love the sinner and hate my own sin? So, so instead of looking down on the conduct of others, we look up to heaven for mercy. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. There's such an amazing little phrase in here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. Confident in your own righteousness. The phrasing there seems to suggest that the righteousness is self-produced, right? I am confident that my conduct has been so good that it has produced for me righteousness. They were confident in their own righteousness, that, that goodness that right standing before God comes from within myself. Let me tell you what. There is nothing good inside of me except Jesus. The only thing good in me is Jesus. And so when... When the, when the statement of confident in my own righteousness comes up, you know what we need is we need a good old-fashioned theology lesson here on this one, right? Where does your, where does righteousness come from? 
if you are declared righteous, how are you declared righteous before the Lord? And, and okay, I'm going to give you the answer to the quiz, right? You want to be declared righteous before the Lord. It's, it's not that, that righteousness is somehow some fleeting thing that we can never attain to. Actually, you, by faith in Jesus Christ, have been declared in right standing before the Father. Right? You are, you are declared righteous in Jesus Christ. But look, it is not a righteousness of your own as if you did something or enough to produce it or earn it yourself. So, so when the criticism comes that those people who are confident in their own righteousness, he's striking right at the very heart of those who think that they can like earn it all on their own. Our righteousness, the only way righteousness comes, the reason we are declared righteous before God is through our faith in Jesus Christ. That, that, that the righteousness of Jesus Christ becomes our own. So that when, so that when God looks at you, he does doesn't see you in light of your sin. He sees you in light of Jesus' righteousness. It becomes like, righteousness becomes like a, I should have brought a shawl today or something. Or a coat. Anyone got, who's got a coat? Someone give me a coat. Quick. Thank Bryce. Benny Hinn coat. Be healed. <laughs> So, so right. Sorry, that was maybe inappropriate. Um, so righteousness, right? Righteousness becomes like a coat or a cloak, right? That that I that I take the the righteousness of Jesus and it's placed on me. It's placed on me. Simply happening, bro. Uh, It's placed on me, right? Righteousness becomes mine. It becomes like a shawl or, or, or a cloak. Covering, covering over our true self, right? The, the righteousness of Jesus, when we, when we profess faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us, right? His righteousness then becomes like a cloak or a garment that covers up our true selves, right? And now, and now God sees us, when he looks at us, he sees not our true selves, right? But, but the, he sees the cloak of Jesus' own righteousness over us. 
Paul writes about this extensively. Like, let's look at Romans chapter 3. So Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 21. Really, most of the book of Romans is about righteousness, okay? Okay, so listen, we're going to take this real slow. I want you to understand this, okay? This is super important for you to understand. Um, But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law. So a righteousness from God, apart from just not doing or doing the right things or the wrong things, right? Right? A righteousness, a, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God, listen, this is the money verse, right? This righteousness from God, verse 22, comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That that righteousness comes to all who believe by faith in Jesus Christ. There, there is no difference, right? There's, there, 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 there's no like, well, I've done lots of good things and I haven't done a lot of good things. And there's, there's no difference. It comes to everyone through the, same, through the same pathway, down the same road, right? If, you're, if your righteousness is in anything other than Jesus Christ, it's not a true righteousness. Jump down to verse 27. He says, where then is boasting? Basically saying, like, since, since everyone is on the same playing field, and since no one, literally no one, no matter how good you think you are, no matter, no matter how pharisaical you can stand up in the temple and say, I'm not an evildoer, I'm not wicked, I'm not an adulterer, I give a tenth of all I have, right? Or the tax collector over here who is begging God for mercy, in reality, Everyone is on the same spiritual field so that no one has the opportunity to boast about what they have accomplished for the Lord, right? Paul says, where then is the boasting? It's a rhetorical question. There is none. No one can boast because you didn't do anything. Jesus did it all. Where then is the boasting? It's excluded, Paul says. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, no. On faith in Jesus Christ. How can you boast in that? Um, Paul also writes in, in Philippians. I want to, this will be the, we'll end with this. 
Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 9. Where, where, where then is boasting? That's, what, that's, what, that's kind of what Paul's going to get at here in this as well. But, but whatever was to my profit, Paul says, whatever was good about me, right? Whatever I had going for me, whatever I was really good at, whatever, whatever I had defeated in my own ethical or moral life, whatever was to my profit, I now consider all of that loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them absolutely rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Listen, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You want to be declared righteous before God? You want to, you want to, come, to, a, you want to come to a point in your own life, right, where... Where, where no accusation of hypocrisy could ever stick to you? Be the tax collector. Who in the back of the temple could barely lift his eyes because he was so aware of his own inability. So aware of his own inability to do anything good. To do anything right. To do anything okay in the sight of God. He considered them rubbish. All of my, all of my good things are, are, are rubbish. The only thing that can be good in me is, is you, Jesus. Lord, give me your mercy. If you want, if you want to like, never have any accusation of hypocrisy stick against you, you need to be having that attitude, right? That attitude that has a, a realistic viewpoint of who you are i mean i am ah, i am i'm broken i am sinful i get it i get it wrong a hundred times more than i get it right and 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 man the only the only thing good in me the only thing good in me is jesus That's it. Right? And, and if you're constantly in this, in, this, in this position of, Lord, I'm going to serve you with all of my heart, and I'm going to live for you with all that I can, but Lord, I need your mercy, and I, and I need your grace because I, I can't do it on my own. And like I'm, I'm so, so sick of trying to produce righteousness by myself because everyone, everyone in here, you know, like, you, you may be like, yeah, I'm relatively a good person. I, I, you know, I, I, I think right, I do right, I act right. You know, like, I am believing right now that if you're here in this room, the Holy Spirit has so convicted your soul late at night, lying awake, where you know, you know, that if the mask was taken off, 
of everything good that you do. And the inside could be seen. It would be like you were standing naked in front of a full room of people. Because you were lying just on this facade of what it means to be right and justified and okay. When what you really need is a righteousness that you cannot produce on your own, but that comes only and solely through faith in Jesus Christ. Receiving what he and only he can do for you. We want that for you. I so desperately want that for you. I believe that for you. I believe that all of the brokenness that you have tried to heal, all of the wholeness that you have tried to produce on your own and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed, right? I believe that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be made whole. That every last bit of your life that you think has been wasted can be redeemed. That Jesus is ready to place that cloak of righteousness upon you. So that you can be seen. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If you want that, I want it for you. We want it for you. And you can have it. You can have it today. You don't have to leave this place without having it. You can, you can have that today. Come up during this last song. Come up after service. Talk to myself. Talk to Pastor Corey. Talk to some of the other leaders up here. Saying, I want that. I need that. Every bit of wholeness, every bit of redemption, every bit of righteousness offered to me through Jesus Christ. I need that. I want that. We want it for you. Let's pray.